everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And my name is Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And Charlotte's back. I'm back. Charlotte's back. I missed you. I missed you too. We had fun with <laughs> Hannah and Kathy. But you know, I know. I am a little jealous that you got to hang out with Hannah I and Kathy. Know without me that doesn't feel quite fair it was both wilders it's like a that's my favorite kind of wilder when they're both around. it was it was wild it was wild it was wilder right it was the wildest mm-hmm. um welcome back charlotte and welcome back to everybody listening we're thankful for you uh being back with us we'll be talking about uh the gospel for this upcoming sunday which is proper 16 in year b the uh, gospel for Sunday, August 22nd. Welcome back into our conversation as we follow the lectionary year uh, every Sunday. Um, but before we get into the gospel, Charlotte, I want to ask you, in your time away from us, where did you see God in this past week? It's interesting because as I was deciding what I wanted to share this morning, I think that often I lean towards the joyful God sightings or the loving God sightings or those beautiful resplendent God sightings, all of those things. And my story today is, was actually a really challenging thing for me. Um, So my time away was up in Tahoe, which is an extraordinary place. If any of you have never been there, I had not been there prior to this trip. Um, The, greenery is just spectacular. The lake is as clear and as blue as everybody says. Um, It's a magical place. Like it truly is. And I had a wonderful time hiking and swimming and exploring like so much of that area. It was fantastic. But what happened on the last day is actually what I wanted to talk about today. And that is we were also really close to one of the forest fires that was going up there. Actually, we were close to two of them. We were close to the Dixie Fire and the River Fire. And we saw a lot of coverage for it on the news when we were up there, like if we would be checking weather or if we were checking in on the Olympics, um, we saw coverage of this coming up as all of it. But on Thursday night, as we were ending our evening with our friends, we were talking about what we were going to do on Friday and Tim and I had said that we were going to do two separate things. Tim and I were going to go and hike Donner Pass. Um, they were going to go down to the beach and then we were going to regroup in the afternoon and we were going to go on a sunset lake, a boat lake tour. And I was really excited about all of it. And so we went to bed and then I woke up in the morning and we had had all the windows open on the overnight and the house smelled like a campfire. Mm-hmm. Very disconcerting to be inside a building and wake up to it smelling like a campfire. So I got up and I looked outside and it was completely like gray white colored. And so I picked up my phone and I clicked on the weather and you know, there's that air quality meter on it and one side of it's green and then it goes through a variety of colors and the far side of it's purple and you don't wanna be over on the far side where it's purple. It was purple. Um, Air quality was hazardous. And they were encouraging everybody to stay inside and run their air conditioning. And I was a little overwhelmed. I was a little overwhelmed, not just from the need to, not just from having my vacation upended, 
or from the need to make a decision about whether we were going to stay or whether we were going to go. But I was overwhelmed by the devastating reality of what this forest fire was doing to this magnificent, beautiful place, right? And as we live into the care and keeping of God's creation, you can't help but think in those moments of how have we failed? What have we done wrong here? What is the causes of these things? And personally, my mind starts to spiral. And I guess that to take all of this angst that I'm sharing with you now and then to reframe it and say, where did I see God in this moment, I saw God in the fact that I wasn't alone, in the fact that instead of just being mad that my vacation was ruined, instead I felt a deep longing and care for the, the damage to the people that lived there and the space that was there, but also for us to live into a better vision of how we move forward. Fire seasons seem to be getting worse every year. We know that climate change is a real thing. And I think that living into it while I was there and seeing it firsthand is very different than watching it on the TV. And I felt God's presence with me in that as I navigated the reality of what that situation held. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are thinking and praying for all the people that are being affected by fires right now in California and extreme weather all over the place, you know, mm -hmm. and that we might together find a way forward, you know, find mm -hmm. a way forward to something, to a different future than the, than the path we're on right now. And thinking about that, we um, move to the gospel, uh, thinking about Jesus's path forward and the way that Jesus invites people into challenging ideas and um, ways of being. And uh, before we do that, though, we want to make sure you know that we would love to hear from you anytime you have a thought or a comment or a question uh, about the gospel or a story about where you felt God in a consolation or a desolation kind of way. You can always email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. You can contact us on or follow us uh, on or DM us on Instagram at faith2go. And so we are going to move to the gospel now. Charlotte is going to read the gospel, and then uh, we'll have the smallest of contexts, and then we'll each have a point. <laughs> <laughs> this gospel for this coming Sunday, getting to the end here, John chapter 6, verses 56 to 69. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe 
and who was the one that would betray him? And he said, For this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, here we are, the end of this chapter that we have been talking about for a month. A long time. <laughs> <laughs> a very long time. Very so long just time. a refresher, uh, this is John chapter 6, where we have been for a while. The beginning of this gospel, this uh, chapter, John chapter 6, was the feeding of the 5,000. And so it went from feeding of the 5,000 to Jesus uh, walking across the water uh, to the disciples in a boat across the Sea of Galilee to this conversation uh, where he says, you know, in different ways and kind of in escalating ways of talking about himself as the bread of life in conversation with the crowd, some of the, pe- the people from the crowd uh, that had crossed the sea to come find him after he left, after the feeding, and some of the uh, Jewish leaders in the synagogue. As it says here, he was doing all this in the synagogue in Capernaum, uh, talking to Pharisees and and the people assembled there. So that's where we are still. And I my I have the first point, and my point is is kind of jumping off of that context, just about the whole like last week I I did a, I said something similar, and just thinking about trying to think about this whole chapter in its entirety, and looking at the arc of this story. And I have actually experienced my own kind of arc in reading this story because it's been kind of, it's kind of cool for me to think about now, like this, one thing I love about doing the podcast is the discipline of, and the practice of reading the gospel for Sunday every single week and coming and like reflecting on it and coming up with a something, some interpretation of it or some questions about it or just doing, doing that for my, for me, that is really wonderful and a great practice and it really works on me. And I have appreciated how this chapter has worked on me because I'm used to either getting those, these I am statements from John, kind of just the I am part one after the other. And we have received a whole bunch of context for this I am the bread of life statement here. And I know, and I've felt in myself like this change, uh, you know, the five feeding of the 5,000 cool miracle story. Jesus on the water and then like this weeks and w- this multiple weeks of I am the bread of life. And like for me going from like, oh, why are we still talking about this? We get it, Jesus, to now really kind of appreciating how this whole thing unfolds and what it is showing us and what it is teaching us and how we can carry some of it into our into our lives. And so thinking then about this whole arc of this story for Jesus from Jesus's perspective thinking about the crowds and the people that are with him, thinking about how it started and how it's ending now. You know, 71 verses, that's like a really long time in a gospel. (laughs) And that's our big chapter. Um, And so I'm just thinking about, from Jesus' perspective here, this chapter starts, chapter 6 again, begins with Jesus teaching 5,000 people. 
So those 5,000 people didn't show up because they knew they were going to get fed bread. They showed up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They traveled and followed Jesus to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to hear what he had to say, to learn from him, to hear his teachings, and then were fed. And so Jesus begins this chapter, chapter 6, extremely popular. You know, he like, that that kind of, the beginning of chapter 6 is like kind of the culmination of this first phase, part of his ministry in this region. And he has amassed this incredible following of people. And then Jesus goes to the other side and people follow him, follow him. And like I kind of, I talked about last week with Hannah and Kathy is like, and then he begins to challenge them like pretty directly challenge their assumptions, challenge who they think he is, challenge the leaders of that community in the like central gathering place of that community in the synagogue. And we get to the end here. So now we are in today's gospel, the end of chapter six. And in over the course of this one chapter, Jesus has gone from 5,000 followers Mm -hmm. to apparently his 12 and maybe a few more people. Because as it says, uh, because of this teaching, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. And so many people believe that it prompts Jesus to turn to these 12 that he has invited into this ministry. Who They, they are his students. They, he is their, their rabbi and ask them, do you also wish to go? And it seems like pretty open-ended there. Like it's almost like it could go either way at this moment. Like Jesus could turn back around with no one, you know? And so I'm, I'm struck with the vulnerability of that moment mm. with Jesus's openness to that outcome and with the, the incredible sense of self and purpose and hope he had for his people and for himself to not change what he knew to be true for the sake of having more people follow him, you know? Mm -hmm. Because from the very beginning, like when the people come over back, come follow him back from the five, from the feeding to, to Galilee, his, his, his answer to them saying, when did you get here? Is like, why are you here? That's my question. What are you, what do you really want? You know? And so like, He's both he's both challenging people and inviting them into deeper and deeper conversation, deeper and deeper levels of of his own truth, deeper and deeper deeper levels of vulnerability and knowing who he is, trying to express who he knows himself to be to people, um, with complete uh, with with a complete openness to the possibility that that will either excite the people he's talking to or completely drive them away. And it's not that he doesn't care about them, but he, he cares about them so much that he is willing to be his full, authentic self, knowing that the only relationship he's interested in having, the only crowds of people he's interested in having follow him are people who are there because they know who he is, who, are, mm-hmm. who know that they can then be their authentic selves because he is being his authentic self. They know he's not watering down his message for the sake of them. He knows that they know that he's not changing who he is so that they will follow him. You know, he's not trying to be hip. He's trying to be Jesus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and wanting yeah. them to be who they are too. And, and so I just love 
Jesus in this moment, the same Jesus who in another gospel, in Matthew's gospel, is going to end the gospel saying, go out and make disciples of all nations. And we take that to mean every single person in the whole world should be a Christian at some point. Every single person is all about how many people we get. Mm -hmm. That same Jesus is here being like, how about you all? Do you want to follow me? Because it's fine if you don't. You, yeah. can, I, you can come or you can go. I want you to, I want you to decide. And so I'm yeah, just like, I, Jesus is so much more interested in the quality and authenticity and depth of his relationships than he is in the quantity of them. And I just, I love that. That to me is challenging. It's challenging to me because we're in a culture that is more about quantity than quality. We're, mm-hmm. And that, that's, that, that seeps into and informs our, our church culture. Even if we don't say it explicitly all the time, there is this fear like we need more people instead, of like, instead of like what about the people being – it's like the people that we have are not enough. Instead of the people we have, we have enough people, what we need more of is depth of relationship with those people that we have with the people that are in our communities that we are there for and with being our authentic selves with and for. So I don't know. I just, I just think it's such a cool way to end this whole saga of this chapter, you know, to begin with this miracle and to me to end with a miracle, which is Jesus open to being completely alone by the end and then just Mm -hmm. going on and doing what he knows he needs to do. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really cool. I think it's really cool too. And it's interesting because I'm going to talk about something totally different, but I have to, of course, say that as part of that, and I blurted out in the middle of your talk, ASA, which for those of you non-church people is average Sunday attendance, mm-hmm. um, which is a measurement of the health of a church, right? Like right. that's, that is one of the metrics that is, that people look to as to the health of your church. Mm-hmm. And it goes right along with that same concept of are we looking for more or are we looking for depth and i think that there's an invitation in this conversation you and i are having and certainly as it relates to this gospel that we've spent the last four weeks discussing to consider are we wanting to share the good news of christ with others or are we looking to recruit people to join our church right because those are two very different questions. Mm-hmm. And certainly nowhere in the gospel does it say, you know, that we need to measure the Sunday attendance. That is something that we as humans have created. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a challenge there in us that we need to wrestle with that. Are we looking to share the good news of Christ or are we looking to recruit people for our church? If I take nothing else, just listening to you earlier, I'll be sitting with that one this week mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that that does give me a jumping off point to my point, which much like you, David, I have spent the last four weeks, even though I missed out on the most excellent conversation with the Reverend Hannah Wilder and Kathy Wilder, two faith to go all stars last week, I did read and think about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I very much have really this whole time been considering the people that were in this, not necessarily Jesus or the disciples, but the other people that were in this, the people that Jesus was talking to, the people that started off as 5,000 and have now whittled down to just a few, the people, and, and how are they relating in this? And when Jesus is talking to them in this part, 
he says, um, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. And this word abide for me, it carries a warm feeling. Um, it's a beautiful word. It's a, a spiritual feeling, perhaps, when you hear that word abide. Um, and I looked it up, and the word that it comes from can also mean remain. Remain is a harder word. It's not as, as fluffy, perhaps, as the word abide can be. And it's really interesting to me, especially as you talked, David, about what it means to follow and the, and the choice to follow, is maybe it's not always about following. Maybe sometimes it's about remaining, even when it's hard. When Jesus is working miracles and feeding 5,000 and all of these things, it's really exciting to follow Jesus in those moments, right? And we want to follow. But when we are challenged by following Jesus, by the ways in which we are called to act and treat each other, by the inclusivity of the love that we are called to, of the openness and that vulnerability that you were just talking about, will we remain? Will we remain when it's hard? Will we remain when we are challenged? Will we remain when we are embarrassed? Will we remain when we have done it wrong? Will we remain? Will we walk with Jesus even in those moments where it's not exciting, where it's not easy, where maybe we don't feel loved? Um, will we remain? And I think that especially in this season of life for me, when things have upended again, it seemed like we were on such a positive course and I was booking things and I was planning things and I was following Jesus. And all of a sudden, it's gotten really hard again and tricky again, and we don't know what's safe again. And will I remain? Will I continue in this hard section to share the good news of Christ in a way that is safe, to advocate for those who are sick? and who are vulnerable, and who are children, which, let's be honest, the children are pretty much all I think about at this point in this really challenging upended time. But will I remain faithful in what it means to be a follower of Christ in this time where all of a sudden, it's not easy again? And I think that this period of time that we're in right now and I hate to say this out loud to all of you good faith to go listeners whom I love and adore across the airways, but I don't think this is the last time it's going to turn upside down on us. I think that if there's anything that the last period of time has taught us is that there is no direct route um, and that it can change in a blink of an eye. And so even though we recently felt really comfortable <laughs> and, and like maybe we were doing some things right and maybe we got to dream a little bit and and to be together. Now we're back in a period of time where there's uncertainty. And I think the beauty of this, of using this word remain instead of abide, is not only do we get to choose whether we are going to remain with Christ in the hard times, but we get to know right from this language that's right at the beginning that in these hard times for us, that God remains with us. Mm -hmm that no matter if it is turned upside down and if it is hard again, and if we don't know which way we are going or what the right choice is to me, that right there next to us is God in all of this. And that our choice to continue to follow and to just to do the best that we can and to love our neighbors, that that is, that is what we are called to do. And if, 
as long as we continue to do it, God remains with us in it. Yeah. And I, I love that. Um, this idea that then if the, if what remains in like Jesus is, so the, we've, we've heard this whole chapter about the bread of life and this flesh and blood. And Jesus is saying, if you do, if you do consume this life, then, then I remain and you remain. And the thing that Jesus, the, the thing I like about that is that Jesus is like saying, this is, this thing that you are remaining in is a life, my life, which is unfolding, you know? And so it's not, and like we were just talking about with the quantity, quality over quantity thing, it's like Jesus is also unattached to outcomes. So what Jesus is saying is like, if you do this, if you remain here, you don't remain here with a guarantee of the outcome, but you mm-hmm. remain here with a guarantee of presence, my presence, your presence, God's presence in this thing, whatever is happening knowing that it is unfolding and we are all do in it in it together. So I love that language. And John is really good about using that language pretty consistently. Jesus yes. is always inviting people to abide. Mm-hmm. So that is our, those are our two points for today. Uh, point number one was mine. It was about Jesus's perfectly, Jesus being perfectly fine. Uh, going from 5,000 followers one day to 12 to 30 the next. <laughs> um, and his desire for authenticity, quality, uh, depth of relationship rather than the quantity of the people following him. Uh, and then Charlotte's uh, jumped off of that one thinking about the people and uh, our and Jesus' invitation to us to remain to abide and to remain in the discomfort of not knowing the uncertainty mm-hmm. of every moment, but that when we are there, God is there with us in whatever is happening. So we would love to hear what your third point would be for this gospel. What has your journey been like uh, listening to all of chapter six of John's gospel? We'd love to hear that. And what's it bringing up for you? Uh, do you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection? Where did you see God this past week? What were your consolations or desolations? We'd love to hear all of that. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram, direct message us on Instagram, at faithtogo. You can also tag us on Instagram if you'd like to post Mm. your comment or question or story. So we will be back next week with Proper 17, uh, and we'll be back in Mark's Gospel, everybody. Thank, but we give we give thanks to John and for John <laughs> chapter six. Sure we do. <laughs> and we will be uh, we'll be back next week with Mark and with Charlotte and me. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.